All right. Good morning, Rock Bible Church. Well, I would like to say, first of all, it's kind of fun to see some faces I haven't seen in a little while. It's like I think a few have decided to make Easter their, their comeback from COVID. And uh, so it's good to have uh, some of you around um, and see you again. Fun. Uh, and then Annie Mantini's here. First time at church since, uh, and you look wonderful, by the way. Uh, so anyways, uh, good to have her. We've been praying for her. She had surgery a while back and uh, it's been going pretty well and we're continuing to pray for continued recovery. So there we go. Uh, hey, Thursday night, I, I hope you will put it on your calendar uh, in the future, a year from now, the Thursday before Easter, we always do Lord's Supper service. Uh, we break the bread and pass out the juice and we talk about communion, the importance of it, why uh, we do it. It's a great casual event. It's free. We get the kids and everybody around the table and uh, we serve each other and the whole thing. Had a great time in here Thursday night. Uh, made a tremendous mess and cleaned it all up, but uh, God was honored and uh, got to be with some new people too as well. So uh, thanks to all who helped put that on. All right, you ready to get going? Happy Easter. Welcome to Rock Bible Church. We are a Christ-centered, biblically-based, compelling, casual community. We're compelling ourselves and others to Christ in casual ways that welcome all to worship, being a community that serves the greater community. Um, and that's why we exist. We're actually going to talk about it this morning. Uh, and I'm really excited because I want to introduce you to one of um, my favorite characters, not my favorite character. We talk about him every week. His name is? Jesus. Okay, good. So that's not in question. Um, but very close, uh, you know, down the list. He's number one. You get down the list not too far, and you get to one of the characters I want to meet. Have you ever thought of um, this idea that once you get to heaven, probably most of the characters in the Bible will be there, and you get to meet them? I've started a list of the people I want to meet, and you're going to hear about one of them I want to meet today. All right. So uh, let's get going. We're going to be in uh, the book of Matthew today, Matthew chapter 28, verse 1 through 10. Just uh, 10 little quick verses. And I want to acknowledge uh, something here that when we get to Easter, there are so many different passages, so many different things, so many different stories that we could cover. There's no way you could possibly cover them on one Sunday. We would have to do a massive series on all the different things leading up to and that happened on that day and then what happened after that day. And so maybe we'll do that next year. Um, but we're just going to look at one of those today. It's one of my more favorite ones. And then um, we'll acknowledge that there's, there's more that happened on Easter, right? Today we're not going to cover the idea that on Friday, we call it Good Friday, uh, Christ went to the cross, died for us, solved our sin problem, uh, was uh, whipped, tortured, pierced, the whole thing, mocked. Um, and at the end, he said, you know, it's finished. And the veil was torn and the ground shook and thunder and lightning, the whole thing. Um, we're going to talk about two days later, three days later, depending on how you want to measure it. Uh, Sunday, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 1 through 10, uh, a couple of the ladies ran down to the tomb. And they wanted to check on what was going on. I imagine it was because there was a lot of question as to what was supposed to happen? You see, Jesus had made a couple predictions that were pretty blatant. Um, so they could expect something miraculous. 
No, I think the boys were chicken. They stayed home. They didn't want to get in trouble. The ladies didn't care. If there's something good happening, we're going to run down. We're going to check it out. This is um, kind of where we uh, pick up the story. So it's after the Sabbath. We know that because of the first four words. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1 through 10. Here we go. Now after the Sabbath, so after Saturday, it'd be Sunday, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. You, um, you've heard of the Rolling Stones? <laughs> they stole their name, right? Uh, I love this. An angel shows up. See, they had buried uh, Jesus. They put him in a tomb, and they covered it with a big stone, and a massive stone you couldn't move. Once you get it into place, it really can't move. And then you put guards around it. And this angel shows up. I love what he does. Rolls it out of the way and then sat on it. We think just happened there. It was a challenge, wasn't it? It's a little bit of a challenge. I love this guy. I want to meet this guy. I want to meet this angel. I have a loose guess that it might have been Michael, the archangel. I don't know this for sure. It's never told to us, whatever. But I love the idea that he rolls back this stone that no one else can move, and then he just sits on top of it and, and basically says, uh, come do your worst. The stone ain't moving anymore. This tomb will be open. And Jesus is on the loose now. I love almost the bragging rights of it. Uh, the sheer show of power and force. Uh, that when God has something he wants to have accomplished, there is nothing that can stand in the way. And what we're finding is that not even death could stand in the way which is great for us. Uh, we're worried about sin and big stones. Jesus proves to us on this day that not even death, the ultimate, can get in the way. So this angel comes, rolls back the stone, and sat on His appearance was like lightning and clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men, passed out. Angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, fear not. One of the greatest, um, most common phrases that we hear from angels when they come to speak to people in the Bible is this phrase, fear not. Why would they need to say that? Because the angel was scary, <laughs> right? I want to meet scary angel, rock sitting scary angel. That's who I want to meet. Um, it says, uh, fear not, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He acknowledges what Jesus did, right? But then he says, he's not here. Uh, one of the other passages, um, it, it's quoted, the angel says, um, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Right? Implying that not only has he, is his body not there, but he's now alive again. For he has risen. Okay, a couple of you are on your game. A couple of you are on your game, all right? Um, uh, as he said, I think this is why uh, people face went down to see, because at some point he'd said it. And we can find passages that um, ex exemplify this. 
but they knew, and they wanted to come see if it was actually true. Angel says, come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen. Okay, some of you are still asleep, right? Eat some more of that candy or something, right? Um, uh, from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. Uh, I love what happens here. It's, um, these are all pretty basic sentences that have no uniqueness or color to them. Basically, he's risen and uh, he's going to Galilee and we're going to see him and I told you. Um, but this set of phrases here screams that not only has he conquered death and risen from the grave, but he's out there active. He is interactive. You're going to see him. You're going to talk to him, all this stuff. Um, so, verse 8, they departed quickly from the tomb with fear. See, they didn't listen to the angel. He said, fear not, but then they left with the fear anyways. Uh, and great joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them, said greetings. They came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid or fear not. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. Um, more important than this fun character of an angel who sits on a rock and says, I dare you to try and move it. I think there's much more important things going on in this passage. And I, I want to talk to you about seven of them this morning. Seven? There's only supposed to be three, Scott. I know, but it's Easter. So uh, you're getting double plus one. Right? So um, I want to I look at uh, seven reasons for rolling the stone. And they're just little quick, simple phrases from the passage. But they imply great things. All right? And the first one is this. Um, Jesus was crucified. Uh, the angel says, I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. Uh, why is that important? That's important because he solved something we can never solve. We can never solve sin. Uh, Old Testament tells us without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And Jesus goes to the cross and allows himself to be crucified for who? For us. For you. I want you to say this out loud right now. Okay, ready? For me. Ready? One, two, three. For me. I have a little pet peeve with church people. They say, when Jesus died for our sins, and I just want to cringe. He didn't die for your sins. He died for you, for me. Now, did he solve sin? Yes, but let's say it a little more fun. Isn't it more fun to say he died for us rather than he died for sin? Yeah. Um, it's, it's a great reminder of the rela relational acts. Um, thank you. The relational aspect of his interaction with us. It's not a business deal. I know you got this sin over here. Uh, let's write up a contract and uh, let me solve that for you. And you, 
It says, no, let's stop going to the temple. Let's stop going doing sacrifices. In fact, let's remove a priest from this whole process. How about you have direct access to God, and let me show you how much I care about it. Christ loved you so much that he died for you. Now, did he conquer sin? Yes. Did he conquer death? Absolutely. Did he prove who he was? Yes. Did he show his ability? Uh -huh. There's a lot of other things that are accomplished on the cross. But I want us, for as much as possible, to say Jesus died for us, or for me, or for them, right? For you. Um, Angel says that, verse 5. Verse 6, he says, he's risen. He's risen indeed. Oh, yeah. Let's hear it for the student ministry, right? Um, why is this important? He's risen. Um, why is that important? Because he could be crucified for us, and then he's gone. It was a nice sacrifice, but gosh, I, w I wish he was still here. No, the fact that he's risen. He's risen indeed. Amen. Look at this. Um, <laughs> proves to us that there's much more going on with him than there is with life or death or sin or us or issues, problems, questions, fears, joys, hopes. He says, look, um, in an even greater mock of ability than the angel sitting on a stone and saying, try to move it, Jesus says, hey, here's death and sin. I conquered them both in one fell swoop. What else you got? Now, careful. You're never meant to ask, answer that question. When he's risen, we're meant to understand that there's nothing else more that can get in the way. And therefore, we should stop looking for things that are in the way. Well, you don't know what I did in my past. Or I need to understand a little better how this whole thing works. At some point, like, uh, like a child, we come to him in faith. And we say, hey, look, if you could um, be crucified and conquer death and then rise from the dead, how about I stop asking my confrontational questions? How about I just find ways to jump in, find excuses to believe and follow, and try to press into this mystery? New Testament calls it the mystery of the gospel. It's a wonderful thing. So... Um, uh, that's what the angel says, verse 6. Says something else in verse 6. Says he's going before you. Jesus is going before you. Is he still out on the loose? Is he still doing things? Yeah. It was very interesting uh, to me because, I mean, really, that was the ultimate act, right? He, he's crucified, then the stone's gone, he's up alive, and then go, go to heaven at that point. He says, no, I'm going to hang out a little bit. I want to go see some people. I wanna, I'm going to do some more things. Now, from uh, an apologetics standpoint, we would use that as him uh, proving that he was actually risen. But there's another thing. It's the relational piece. Rather than just doing the business contract of solving sin and solving death, he says, hey, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to walk around. I'm going to make sure some people see me. Why? For proof. For another opportunity for people to join him. Um, there's another way of looking at this. He is going before you. What's that imply? It implies he's going to be where you're going. You're going to end up there too. And he's already there. You ever, you ever been um, uh, gone on, on a trip or gone to a party and someone else got there first and set up 
And when you arrive, the party's in full swing. That's kind of what he's saying. Um, did he go to death first before us? He did. Did he solve sin before us? Does he know what it's like to go up to heaven before us? Does he uh, know the people that we're going to deal with, the issues that we're going to be afraid of, the condition of our heart at different times? He knows all the things that are ahead of us, and he's going to go before us in all those things. The question is, will we be willing to meet him there, or are we just going to go there? And go there and try to work that stuff out on your own strength, on your own logic. Or you say, how is uh, Christ in this? Is he going before me? Um, and we would say, absolutely, he is. He is going before us. Uh, number four, from verse seven this time, you will see him. It's the thing I really don't like about Gandalf and the Lord of the Rings stuff. He always takes off, and you can't see him half the time. It's like, you're the wizard. You should be here solving half the stuff. Could... And instead, you got these little you know, hairy foot guys. <laughs> You know, coming from behind, no ability. If we have a God, we want a God on the scene that we can see. Uh, that he goes before us, great. But then we show up and he's not there. We get to be there with him. You will see him. Now, I know that that's um, different than the purpose of this story. He's literally saying that uh, you're going to go and these ladies are going to see him again. But it begs the question, if that's his nature, does he do that with us? Will we see him work? Will we see the fruits of his labor, the intentions of his purpose, um, the, the fruition of his plan? The more we travel with Jesus, the more we chase Jesus, that we believe in Jesus, the more we get to see him. And I love um, what the... The uh, theologian uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, he said the invisible Christ is visibly seen in the church. We get to see Christ in how we interact with people and, and we get to see God act, acts through us. Um, so we love that he, he's going before us and you'll see him. Verse 9 says, Jesus met them. Not just see him, not just go before you, and not just see him there when you get there, but then meet him. If you get to meet somebody, what, what happens? When, when you meet somebody, hi, I'm Scott. What's your name? Judy. Oh, right. What, happened? What's, what, what just happened right there? What just started? A relationship, interaction. We're starting to get to know each other. I know her name. In a second, I'm going to know where she works. At some point, I'm going to find out what her favorite food is. Then we're going to go get it. <laughs> you know. um, this idea that we get to know God, rather than just him work in front of us or work with us, and we see him work, we get to interact with him. We get to be in personal relationship with him. And, and I get, um, you can imagine as a pastor, there's certain things that people say to me much more than they say to other people, right? What, what do people say to pastors all the time that they don't say to you? Oh, I, I could never go to your church because the moment I walked in, lightning would strike me, right? I know people don't say that to you very much. I get it all the time, right? I get a lot of phrases that I hear a lot. Um, 
one of them that, I, that just makes total sense to me. And, and I really don't have a whole lot of emotion, positive or negative. I say, you know, I don't feel God. I don't hear him. I, I don't feel close to him. I wish I knew him better or knew what he wanted or a thing. And I just feel like that's not possible. And here's my answer. You haven't put enough time in. Just put some more time in. These ladies had to run down to the tomb. Uh, probably could have been killed for it. Except for they didn't really care what women did back then, as long as you didn't do one of the things that was forbidden. So two ladies show up at the tomb, they don't really care. Um, but they got to put in the effort to go down to the tomb. Now, you show up at a tomb and there's an archangel sitting on a stone, you're probably, I'm out, right? I'm not, not uh, going to have a conversation with him. But they have this interaction. What, what is it? This is called investment. They went there, they stuck around, they had a uh, conversation with the angel, and now what we find out is they're going to leave from there and they're going to go to find the disciples. What, why? Because they're still engaging. They're still trying. They're putting more time in at it. Well, I don't, I don't know when God's going to talk to me. Well, then start talking to him first. When's it going to make, make sense? When it does. It's going to make sense when it does. That's, that's your real logic there, Scott? Yeah. How long will that take? As long as it takes. I don't like this game anymore, Scott. But it's how it works. Right? Who got to see the angel? Mary and Mary, that's it. I mean, I think the guys would have loved seeing the angel. Any of the guys, they would, that would have been really cool. Why'd they miss out? They didn't go. Hey, that's your relationship with the Lord right there, guys. You want to see him? Then go. You want to see him? Talk to him. You want to see him? Get around people that do. Put effort, put time. Put a bunch of water under the bridge in your pursuit of him and see what happens. It pays off, period. That's the way it works. Uh, then you start praying for things and believe that something will happen. Even when someone tells you it won't happen. And say, yeah, I don't care. Yeah, I like your cute logic. Yo tengo Dios, right? I have God. So, um, so that's seven. Uh, you will see him, verse nine, Jesus met them. And then verse 10, Jesus said to them, I just met him, but now they're having a conversation. What's that about? Sharing plans, giving explanation, deepening the relationship. It sounds to me like uh, Jesus uh, raise, rises from the grave and he starts talking. What's the next question? What did he say? Oh, man, would that be exciting to know what he said? Is he still speaking? Does he still have things to say? Does he always have things to say? You know, um, God is eternally active. Have you ever thought about it this way? He's eternally active. There's no downtime with him. There's no night and day. There's no uh, sleep or rest or days off. Or He's just, there's no life or death. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if we get to heaven and we're all excited about, yeah, Jesus conquered, 
death and that whole thing. And, and God looks at us and says, yeah, that was never even a contest. That's the way you guys look at it because you deal in a world of life and death, but God doesn't live in the realm of life and death. They are realms that he created. So I was just walking through a pattern for you, for you to see how this is supposed to work when you interact with me. Whoa. Same thing with time, right? All these constructs that we believe he created, right? We love that. Um, how would you get to understand these things? How relationships work, what you should do with your future, whether you have kids or should get rid of the ones you have. Um, you have conversation with them. We call it prayer. Sadly, for many Christians, the extent of their prayer is thank you for this food. Really? How about, how about you talk to them with specifics in detail? Regularly. And without Scott. What's that mean? Without Scott. I'm Scott. Just in case we weren't clear on that. Um, why talk to God without Scott? Because you're one on one. You can form your own relationship, and you never have to consult my schedule. Well, Scott's not here. Hey, it's not Sunday. We can't. We pray when Scott prays, you know, when Bryce or Ashley. No. No. What would, what would, um, what would it be like if your intimacy grew with God? Because I'm telling you, you can't imagine where he would go with it. The comfort, the calm, the peace. Huge. Huge. Uh, last thing. Also from verse 10. Uh, they will see me. It says they will see me. Uh, he is talking to Mary. Mary, Mary, and the... Um, and the angel, he's talking, they're, they're talking, and then Jesus meets him on the road, and now Jesus is talking to Mary and Mary, and says, okay, now, remember the angel said to go to Galilee and tell the disciples, and I'll meet him there? Go to Galilee and tell the disciples that I'll meet him there, right? See, he, they get the message twice. Um, this is a reminder of, of what I think is why we do church, which is why we do Easter, why we do Christmas, why we have a student ministry that goes to camp, why we do on mission trips, why we support local, uh, local and foreign missionaries. And that is this. Um, on Easter, you come to church in order to worship. Amen? And, and you come to celebrate and, and your own relationship with the Lord. Why do we make such a big deal about Easter? Well, I have a relationship with Tor. Okay, you got a relationship with God. Good. Um, and it, was, it commemorates the um, payment of sin and uh, his conquering of death the value of life, yeah, and that's, that's big, right? It's one, why it's one of the two big holidays, right? Christmas and Easter. So we make a big deal about it. You know, there's a secondary, and I hate even really calling it a secondary reason for us making a big deal about it. Other people need to know. He says, yeah, you've seen the angels. Yeah, you've seen me, but go to Galilee. Why? Because I want the disciples to see me more. 
And what's he going to do with that? He's going to try to get other people to see him, which does happen. And then he's going to send those guys out into the world and women and going to create churches. Why? Because solving sin is tragic by itself, right? If you got an amazing deal on something, but nobody buys it, hey, a free car, but nobody comes down and picks up the car, you missed out. See, this relationship with God, this freedom from sin, this uh, experience of eternal life, this intimate relationship with the Creator is meant to be for others too. So I love that little subtle thing at the end of this little passage where it says, yeah, no, no, keep going. Yeah, you saw the tomb, you saw it empty, you saw what's changed in me, you saw the angel, and now you've seen me on the road and Man, the women could have stopped right there. But they, they kept going. Why? So that other people know. Uh, for a while back in, I think it was like the 90s or something like that, in student ministry, there was this phrase thing they were using in churches and stuff. It got very trendy. You know, uh, we exist to make him famous. Right? We exist to make Jesus famous. Right? And I thought, oh, that's kind of cute. Everybody was saying it, so I got bored with it because everybody was saying it. But really, it's true. We exist to make Jesus famous. That little baby on Christmas, a full-grown man tortured and killed on Good Friday. There's so much more than that to go on to that than uh, prophecy and good stories and solutions to things. No, it's an opportunity for us to know the Lord. One of the greatest things about Jesus coming back to life is now we can interact with him still rather than him being gone. I was studying this week for this and I, I came across, um, it was the passage right before 28, 27, Matthew 27. And it's this interaction um, between Pilate and Jesus and the people and and, and Pilate's saying, look, you know, it's kind of a tradition. We give you one person uh, back from your prisoners. So you, you get one guy off the hook. So you could have Jesus or you could have Barabbas. It's that whole story. And I was reading through this thing, and um, it just kind of hit me what somebody said, what the crowd said, all the people answered, verse 25. Because Pilate says uh, before that, he says, I'm innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. Pilate says, I want no part of this. In verse 25, all the people answered, his blood be on us and on our children. I love that. Verse, you got verse 25? No. Um, yeah, I didn't give you both, I don't think, sorry. Um, his blood be on us and all our children. You know how they meant it. Oh, we'll take responsibility. We want him dead. You go ahead and kill him and we'll deal with his blood. We'll be responsible for him being dead. But the actual phrase, his blood be on us and on our children. They got it dead right for the wrong reasons. They got it absolutely correct. When Jesus rises from the grave, when he goes to the cross, when he ascends to the Father, when he 
intercedes on our behalf, when he sends us the Holy Spirit, he does that so that we can live, so that his blood can be on us. His blood paid for our sins and our children's. I love that the crowd said it correctly and didn't even know it. They said it with malintent. And I I have to believe that in the sovereignty of God, he made them say it that way for the irony of the truth that was being spoken in their own ignorance. His blood be on us and on our children. Absolutely love that. Now you can see how much conflict I was in this week because I wanted to talk about that, but I also wanted to do the Matthew 28 verse. I found a way to get to both in. Amen. Um, but I, I say this now because all the people said this. And, and they say, oh, his blood on us and all our children. That's that idea of his, his blood is enough for everyone. And there's more people in this game than just us or just our church or just the members or only the ones that serve or the ones that went to Mexico, whatever. Um, I, I think it's super helpful for us to remember his blood was for those who've yet to receive Christ. I like to think, uh, well, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, if you've been born again, you know, if you raised your hand when the pastor prayed and accepted him to your life, then you're good. We tend to think that he's for them only. He created all of us. He's not slow about keeping his promises as some count slowness, but is patient, not wishing that any should perish. We love that about him. And so just because a person is yet to receive Christ, you should be careful when you call them non-Christians. Right? Oh, they, have they accepted Christ? No, they're, they're non-Christian. Hmm. I want to help you with a better phrase. They're pre-Christian. <laughs> right? Don't you like that better? It keeps us open to the fact that there's blood for everybody. There's life for everybody. More importantly, there's God for everyone. Amen? Amen. Uh, Lord, thank you for this morning, and thank you for uh, fun stories, great characters, but more importantly, Lord, for you, for her, who you are, for how you chose to reveal yourself to us, what you tell us about yourself, your love, your sacrifice, your value of us. I pray, Lord, we would understand that, believe it to our core, and then help us to believe it about others as well. We thank you for what Easter represents. Thank you for the offering that we're about to receive. Pray that you bless it. Amen. I, uh, I love what Ashley prayed at the beginning of service today, that we get to walk in freedom. That's because the stone was rolled. May you walk in freedom. Amen. Go with him.